Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, a girlhood podcast about petrified eyeballs. I'm Alexa Ray Hack. I'm a comedian and storyteller. I use she, her pronouns. I'm Micah Silver, and I'm a child care provider, and I use they, them pronouns. And today is the first episode of our series on As Told by Ginger, a cartoon series from Nickelodeon that ran from 2000 to 2006 features the titular ginger and her set of friends who are moving their way through early adolescence we really wanted to do this movie because it's it was a big one for both of us me when it was running in micah in syndication and it it very much hit me i'm roughly the same age as the girls yeah would be in this show so yeah it was like very much hit me where i lived the whole time i was a little bit younger and it was definitely one of those shows of like oh i can't wait to go into middle school and like have this life (laughs) yeah you absolutely should watch the show i think maybe you don't have to watch every single episode but so far it's held up yeah so far it's really good there's not too much like homophobia or anything like that to speak of yeah it's really great we're gonna run through a quick synopsis of the first five episodes just in case you haven't watched it or it's been a minute we can give you the refresher episode one we meet our characters and ginger is convinced to steal a sign in order to impress the popular girl and she's caught by the police and ends up having to do community service and episode two while she is at doing community service at a retirement home her little brother carl makes a brand new friend and causes a bunch of trouble and ruins dinner for ginger when the popular girl courtney comes over to for a meal episode three the kids go on a ski trip with the school and ginger is pressured into making out with cute foreign boy jean-pierre Episode four, Courtney invites Ginger over for a sleepover and kind of learns what sleepovers are all about. And episode five, there's a lice outbreak at the school and the effects of the lice uh, resound throughout the middle school. Follow us on Twitter at Anthro267. Sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash Anthro267. Bonus episode for this month is European Vacation. So if you want to hear dirt on Chevy Chase, then tune in for that bonus episode. We so much appreciate both of our (laughs) of our patrons on the on the Patreon. Yeah, seriously, it's we really appreciate you all. Thank you so much. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. No trigger warnings for this episode. No, uh -uh. uh-uh. Thanks, y'all. Enjoy. This intro song to this cartoon is a fucking bop. Say it again. Oh. As told by Ginger, someone once told me the grass is is much greener. Macy Gray. It's sung by Macy Gray. That's why it's so fucking great. It is like... 2000 was a real Macy Gray year. It really was. (laughs) And like, this song has stuck with me. For decades. I didn't realize when we turned it on, like, it started playing, and I was like, oh, I know every word of this. Yeah. (laughs) It came right back. It just came right back, and I was like, I forgot how much I love this show. Yeah, it's, yeah, I really, really loved this show. And it was really hard to watch this show and, like, take notes and not just, like, 
watch the show. Right? I kept up to remind myself, like, you're working. You're working. Come Do on. the thing. Right? Make points. Do stuff. stuff. But yeah, I think, like, as a piece of media that, like, highlights characters, I think it's got one of my favorite ensembles. Totally. Yeah. I, I think it's, like everyone like it's got a decent diversity for what it is it's got it highlights different body shapes throughout the entire show uh Uh, and each one is pretty unique that you can like keep pretty much everyone totally yeah i like i kind of like that i mean this is very much like nickelodeon in the 2000s but in the late 90s but i kind of like that all of the kids Unlike all of the people, just kind of look weird and ugly. Like, yeah. people are like kind of lumpy and weird looking. Yeah, they're not. And like, even the pretty people have like weird, like exaggerated features. Yeah, everything's kind of like, it's like definitely a cartoon and very stylized. Yeah. And... But it's also kind of like being a kid, you yeah. know? Like, I feel like so often when we have media about children because they're played by adults it makes them seem a lot more like developed and together whereas in this show it's like no these are children they look weird they're growing they have like half mustaches and like longer legs than torsos and you know like they're weird because they're not they're not fully baked right I love how gross the show is. Yeah. I really love how it really highlights how gross childhood is. And totally. Especially adolescence. Yeah. Like, it doesn't hide away from, like, zits or lice no. or any yeah. of that shit. And that's just the first five episodes. Right, yeah. We're just talking about the first five episodes. It's, I really like the grossness. I feel like grossness was a big part of my childhood. Oh, same. It definitely was. <laughs> I actually have a note in here that's like, I too was the gross little brother who collected things they probably shouldn't have. Oh, of course <laughs> you were. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of a gross adult who collects shit I shouldn't, so... I was definitely, like, a doty and was, like, very obsessed with being popular and how to get popular. And yeah. was never good at it and never really got the chance, but... Yeah, I was, like, I I was much more of a Macy. Like, I was much, very much, like, a rule follower. Go figure. It yeah. was the fucking autism. I'm very much, like, a rule follower and, like, a just do everything right and keep your head down and no one will, no one will hassle you. Which... Right kind of works if you never want to have friends it's fine yeah (laughs) (laughs) just accidentally uncovering trauma at every moment in this episode stumbling into it this whole yeah i feel like this whole diving into tv shows is gonna give us a couple more openings for totally accidental trauma wandering yeah well yeah especially because like this show came out in very formative years for both Both of of us yeah so like this is one that i think we both watched we probably both watched the whole show in its run because it was only on for like three or four years yeah i definitely caught it later in syndication um but i remember losing it when we got rid of cable like i remember oh yeah a show that i really liked that i could no longer watch anymore that makes sense yeah so it was definitely like stuck around for me yeah and yeah i like that ginger 
I just like I like the representation for like big wild curly hair. Oh, I know you do. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love Ginger's like big massive red hair. It's it's so good. Plus, it's the Nickelodeon splat. Right. It, yeah. Exactly. It's like even got the little rounded like splat edges. I love it. I Man, I I don't I feel like. It's going to be tough for me to describe to my children about how there was like a whole era, like a whole decade of kids programming that was slime based. Right? Like, like, like well, we, I'm glad we're we most, didn't all hallucinate. We that, were, yeah, that. right. That does feel like it might be, a, it could be a collective hallucination. Like, oh yeah, there were just like eight years there where we were just dumping green goo on every fucking celebrity we could get our hands on that's fucking gross it was nickelodeon was really honestly i blame double dare for creating the whole thing in the first place how many wet and messy fetishists do you think double dare slash the 90s goop thing do you created i don't want to know i don't want to know or or awakened like how many people were watching it and were like this makes me feel a different kind of thing. So <laughs> I, I just, oh boy, I can't imagine. <laughs> I think about stuff like that probably too much. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. It's it's the same reason we have so many furries in our generation. Thanks right, to it's, Disney. Yeah, and... Disney Robin Hood and Zootopia. And, oh uh, God, they did yeah. this to us. So something that comes up in this first five episodes in the episode i think it's the second episode where carl befriends the old lady at the nursing home yeah carl and maud it's a take on uh harold and maud right exactly something that came up what like that i really love seeing represented and is like a huge part of dealing with children was the friend jealousy that hoodsy yeah i have the exact same note i so like it's so hard to navigate that shit and learning that your other friends like the especially when you have like that bff you spend all your time with yeah is suddenly playing with someone new and that absence of them is like your comfort zone is ripped away right and it's your first one of your first encounters with being uncomfortable and having to face something in yourself right something that's not talked about a lot is new relationship energy in friendships yeah and platonic new relationship energy and i mean new relationship energy isn't talked about at all and should be as part of you know look if you want to hear my thoughts on our whole curriculum around social emotional learning, subscribe to the Patreon. I'll put my <laughs> curriculum up there. Um, but this is something that should be taught. And I think learning how to not be overwhelmed by that and foster friendships that are a little bit more work right. is like such an important lesson. And to see it and have it experienced in a healthy way and modeled is so huge yeah it's really it's really big and yeah because i feel like yeah as a kid it's so easy to like pour your identity and your whole being into your friends and then as you become an adult and like as your friends get more friends you realize that the people around you are like complex and different than you and it forces you to like you know, reevaluate who you are and, you know, the kinds of people you want to hang out with, which is like hard work to do. It's easier to just like find one person and then never let them go. Yeah. Yeah. I know some people like that as adults. Yeah. 
who like still have like the one friend and then then that's it that scares me yeah it's yeah i don't have any friends that i talk to anymore <laughs> well, you have me yeah right i was like from that time i was gonna say like i oh yeah like from school, school yeah i don't there's no one stuck or uh, no one stuck or that's that's a harsh criticism yeah i don't i mean part of it is that we moved away from yeah. the towns that we're from but yeah i'm only like tangentially friends with the people i grew up with yeah same i it's weird friendships are weird and i think the more we talk about them and how important they are and how complex they are the better because then we can stop prioritizing romantic love all the time to fulfill everybody exactly and putting all kinds of weird monogamous pressure on people totally exactly yeah that's fucking great yeah this first episode is has a really interesting insight into like sort of wanting to do anything to be one of the popular kids yeah which i mean i think this is one of the things that is interesting to me as like an autistic person going back through these shows is like that fully doesn't track for me at all no i have i have never once in my life I mean, maybe not never, but, like, I, I've never been interested in being one of the popular kids. Or perhaps I just always knew that that was a thing that was, like, not accessible to me. Yeah. Because of my neurodivergence or whatever. But, yeah, it never even occurred to me to be like, oh, I have to do this so so-and-so will like me. I think from, like, age seven, I was like, well, kids are going to like me or they're not. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Which is a very autistic way to go through school, <laughs> frankly. How do you do that? Because I'm the opposite. I'm like, I worry about what everyone thinks of me. And like, that was how I went through school. Of Like, I don't need to be popular, but I need to be well-liked. And I need to uh, make sure that I, like, I'm worried about that I'm wearing the right clothes. That I am... Yeah, it... but you have to understand that, like, from my perspective, like... I don't even notice that I'm doing that stuff wrong. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, especially when I was a kid, like, I don't really notice that I'm wearing, that, like, the clothes that I'm wearing are wrong or different. It didn't really occur to me that, like, I, sh that the, like, popular kids were in different clubs or doing different activities than me. It just didn't occur to me, like, because I'm autistic, like, I just never read those cues and so it was not like a choice right to be independent or like a you know like um yeah, yeah, yeah unique it was just like i never saw those things so like there was a whole level of stuff that was basically going on above my awareness that i was just like i could clearly tell that something was happening but i was like I don't have access to this game or I don't want to put in the energy to learn the rules of the game. So I'm just going to wear khaki car like cargo khakis and dragon t-shirts and that's going to be my whole existence. Anyway. I think that this show does a really good job of like showing how popular like the influence of popular kids but like lets the main characters keep their uniqueness and like yeah they want to they want to be popular but like they don't lose who they are and they stick to who they are pretty well which right. is like really cool to highlight to show that like that was something you that you could do and like right and like throughout the course of the show we kind of get the like roller coaster of ginger's popularity yeah and like you know, the first episode, she does, she steals a sign to try and be popular and she gets caught. And then in later episodes, she has to do community service 
like I, I really love that this show like carries stuff through like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's very, you know, continuous yeah. and it's like storytelling, which is kind of rare for a show like this. Yeah, exactly. It is. And they change clothes. Like this yeah, show is like do. so revolutionary for like a sitcom and for a cartoon. Like they change clothes like every day. Like for events, for like school every day. Like they're probably I I didn't pay attention to this if they like repeat outfits. They do. I, I recognize an outfit that they did repeat and I was like, oh cool. So like they They have some wardrobe. outfits, like a wardrobe that right. they're like rotating through. It's just so interesting because it's like it also you usually just see like the one outfit. Or you never see the same one twice and then you have that like other like side of the class coin of like having an endless wardrobe and not having, having to, to ever repeat, repeat anything. anything. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about that as like a class thing of like not repeating outfits but it totally is a class thing of like you should have access to all these clothes and like i guess the counter argument is like if you own enough like plain basic garments you can remix them in a million ways but like not everyone dresses like that no i have this note i'm just gonna get this out of the way this it's just so gross to me the like begging for scraps from the popular kids because those popular kids will eventually grow up and become the owner class and we will beg them for jobs and wages and survival. Yeah. Anyway, I'll put down my red flag now and we can go <laughs> on with the podcast. It just had to be said. No, I think this I think the show really does talk about class more than most cartoons. More than do. most cartoons. Because you've got like a pretty clear distinction between ginger's one parent house in, yeah. versus courtney who is lives in this huge mansion and also like you don't really see her parents either no i kind of like that in this show like even though ginger has a single mom she's so present she's yeah. around all the time and she's a good mom <laughs> and too. she's a great mom like not permissive but like allows plenty of like it you know she's very good at like cultivating her children as their own person exactly and, like, embraces their special interests and their uniqueness because like not every parent would let carl build a secret you right know, gross hideout in the doghouse or you know in an episode like three or four he builds like a fake ski lift right and he asks to have dinner in his room so that he could like try and set a ski ski lift record and she she just does it because she's like, I mean, well, he's doing something. You know what? He's like right. involved in a project. You right. know? So what? That I don't get it. He gets something out of it. And that's what's important. Right. Like. He she, could be doing drugs. The fact that he's not doing drugs is a victory. Right. Like she even like cooks his special meal interests. Yeah. With like a baked potato with fruit cocktail. Fruit cocktail it. inside, oh. which sounds disgusting. But like, you hey. know. Sometimes your kids have weird tastes. Right? I love it. I think... It doesn't pay to shame them about it. No. Because then all you're ever going to do is give them a complex about their food and a weird, bad relationship with food. Yeah. Because, like, I was a, a kitchen professional for a very long time. And, like, there's so many weird food things that I would never have put together, but then I've had and gone, fuck, shit, who who would have thought? Right. I love the friendship between Dodie, Macy, and Ginger. Yeah. I think it is one of the most well-written, most supportive friendships I have ever seen. I expect there will be more in the future, but there's not a lot of, like, infighting yeah. or, like, snapping and backstabbing. And I, I feel like... 
I don't know, the the impression I always got, and I think maybe the stereotype about, like, adolescent girls is that they're, like, vicious and mm-hmm. constantly, like, backstabbing and scheming against each other. And even if some amount of that is true, I think part of it is because of, like, an internalized misogyny mm-hmm. about, Absolutely. like, only a handful of women are allowed to be successful, and so I have to tear other women down. But I feel like... <clears throat> I definitely feel like this new generation, this like third wave of feminism feels very much more about like a rising tide lifts all boats. Right. Like if if all if women succeed, all women succeed. Yeah. Oh, I also wanted to say that like sure getting in trouble for stealing a bank sign when you're 13 sucks. But she's going to be dining out on that story forever. forever. I'm still dining out on stories that happened to me. Weird shit that happened to me when I was 13. There's a bit, the maybe the best working bit in my act is a thing that happened to me when I was like 15. And I've been telling that story for, you know, 15 years. Yeah, shit. Oh, God. Talk about a backstabbing move, though. <laughs> Miranda is yeah, yeah. cunning, and I am here for it. And it's funny. I have this thing where, you know, like, she does a classic, she does a classic con artist move, which is inform you that you have a problem and then offer you the solution to the problem. Right. She's like, oh, you want her to like you, right? Well, I have the solution for you. It's like, whoa, whoa, I didn't understand that she didn't like me, so I don't buy your premise. And then now you're selling me on a thing that doesn't make sense to me based on a premise that I think is faulty, right? Um, But yeah, it's just like classic con man shit. And when you start to like notice that stuff, you can be like, hey, excuse me, what? Yeah. (laughs) You're trying to sell me something or get me to be your fall guy. Not all of us see those signs right away. I mean, look. There are not a ton of benefits to being autistic, <laughs> but here are here is one. Some of us are real bad at finding red flags. Uh, I think part of it, I think a lot of it is that I have done a lot of work deconstructing religion and superstition in yeah. my own brain because it was like so ingrained in there for so Absolutely. long. And it took me a long time to kind of like pick all the bits out and doing that amount of like critical thinking work and like deep reading work made it so that now I can't not see stuff like that. Yeah, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Which again is why I listen to Alex Jones, right? Right. It's because it's like, I can't not see all of the flags that he's throwing up that he doesn't see. Right. Absolutely. That makes absolute sense. Totally. Which is hilarious. It's like, it's like watching a kid who thinks he's a great skier, like, ski down a slalom course and hit every flag, but they don't know, like, they can't see the flags, and you're just like, wow, you fucking, you fucking goof, you goober, you have no idea what a fucking ass you're making of yourself. Yeah, yikes. Talking about that and bringing it back a little bit. I think that a trope that this show avoids that was really hurtful and I know that I had to unlearn a lot of toxicity from was like, uh, I'm not like other girls. Yeah. That whole where Ginger is allowed to be into her own thing but she's also allowed to like make up and having her nails done. Yeah. And you know is able to have a balance of stuff and not 
have to pull this like this I, us versus them right thing yeah because you see that a lot unfortunately yeah i think it's fun that like these characters aren't like they're not losers no like they have access to the popular kids right no i do like that they're like you don't have one of the extremes they're not the popular and they're not the losers but they're just like your average dude they're just like average kids which makes them a lot more relatable than a exactly. lot of other ones, which exactly. is really nice. Yeah, I feel like so many of, like, a lot of the movies we watch, we get, like, one end of the spectrum or the other. Yeah. And it's nice to see some just, like, regular-ass kids. There's not a student binary. <laughs> oh, they go on a ski trip. At one point, I was like, oh, tell me you go to a rich school. <laughs> ski trip. I was going to ask. My school had ski trips. Uh, I bet they fucking did. Mine did not. You will not be surprised to hear. No, not really. Yeah, I didn't have much on that episode. Except that's the episode where they're like pressuring her to to kiss Jean-Paul. Jean, Jean-Luc. Jean-Pierre. Jean-Pierre. That's it. Like, <laughs> it was like... It was something really French. one of those French Jean names. It's just which you just have to... Go through all of them before you get, yeah, Jean-Pierre. Yeah, and I I do remember, I mean, we talked about this with, with Fast Times, that, like, sort of sex and make-out pressure of, like, you have to do it, you have to get it over with. People around you are doing it. Don't you feel left out? Like Something's wrong with you if you're not doing it already. Yeah. There's something undesirable about you. If Yeah, that was another thing that I never really read for me. Because also, like, I grew up, catholic so right. i was like i'm gonna save myself for marriage but a lot of it was also just like uh that lets me like not engage with this thing that i find baffling that's fair <laughs> i got obsessive <laughs> yeah it's interesting like that it's we have like sort of crossed uh-huh. in our adulthood like you were like kind of a sex obsessed kid, and like I think I remember having like a romance obsession, but it's sex. I think mine was a lot more romance based, but I only understood that through sex. Yeah, but then you know, as adults, we've sort of flip flopped it, swapped. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting what life does. Yeah, right. We got to talk about. There's a episode four is like a slumber party. Yeah, right. The show seems to have. Such a nice idea of slumber party. Yeah. Very, it's very much a... uh, It's very much like a media portrayal of what a slumber party is like. It was it was very cute, and I like that Courtney didn't know what sleepovers were like. Yeah, I do find it kind of cute. I do like, I mean, look, I'm not saying we should humanize rich people because they're not people, they're monsters, but... It children is... born into their circumstances have no control. But, right, that's what I was getting at. Right, children don't control their circumstances. And it is fun to see that she does have, like, cultural and social struggles as a result of her class, even though her class is upper, right? Yes. Like, it's interesting that even that removes her from culture in a way that makes it harder for her to interact with other yeah. people. Which I think is both an interesting like isolating and kind of an appealing part of fortune to people is the ability to live in a parallel society where you don't really have to interact with the real world yeah because like we all would love to have the ease of being able to just like check out and have people handle stuff for us oh my god right oh my god 
Yeah. Please. Man, the amount of energy we saved when we discovered we could have groceries delivered to the house. Oh, my God. Like, well, you mean I don't have to go to the place with the loud lights once a week? Oh. Whoo, great. Grocery stores are a stimulation nightmare. Grocery stores are the worst. I mean, the only stores, physical brick-and-mortar stores that I really like going to are bookstores. Yeah. But they're also quiet because they're bookstores. And they're lit low. <laughs> yeah. The, the like, it's funny to me that the, like, sleepover pranks right. of my childhood are, like, u- cultural universals. You know, the, like, putting your hand in water, like... Did you which... play pranks on your... Our, my We didn't do pranks at my sleepovers. Oh, yeah, this is a thing. Okay, I guess... Not so much with sleepovers, because, like, those are your friends. You don't yeah. want to fuck with your friends. But, like, when I was in the Scouts... Okay, that makes sense. And we would, like, be camping, or especially in the winter when we were, like, camping uh-huh. inside. Yeah, we there were a lot of pranks. But I think that was because it was a lot of boys of a lot of different ages uh, and social uh-huh. groups. So, like, it was a way to kind of, like, resolve conflict. Yeah, because... Or to create conflict. Girl Scouts has lots of camping. Yeah. They really should just merge those organizations because it's wild. Like, the Girl Scouts makes hella money and doesn't, like, gives most of it to charity. And then the Boy Scouts don't make fucking shit money, but they do all these crazy cool programs. Right. They really should just combine and be the Scouts. scouts. Yeah. But, you know. And also they should take out all that fucking Christian shit. Yeah. Uh... I hated it. Because, like, when I was in the Scouts... Even though by the time I was, like, a teenager, I was not religious. Yeah. Like, I was required to go to chapel when we were at camp and stuff. We were, like, required to do all that stuff. And I even, like, petitioned to be, like, can I, like, fill out a form, do a thing to be, like, officially excused from this as an atheist? And they're, like, no, Christianity is part of the group. You have to do this. Ew. It's really gross. Ew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Felt bad. Especially as, like, a gay kid, too. Yeah. Yeah. We, I fully, because, like, I had other gay friends who were in Scouts who were either closeted or, like me, just didn't give a shit. Yeah. And I, we, we walked out on sermons more than once because we were like, no, fuck this guy. Like, you're fucking evil. We're leaving. Good for (laughs) you. You you can make me come. You can't make me stay. Yeah. That's fair. That's super fair. Yeah. God, because there was this, I was around a campfire once and a guy just like had a guitar, you know, classic story, classic camp counselor singing songs around a campfire and he starts singing this fucking song about how gay people are going to hell. Like, for a bunch of fucking children. No, thank you. And I was like, we were like, no, fuck you, dude. This is awful. Like, we're just trying to have a good time. I don't need to be fucking attacked in my home right now. Yeah. No, thank you. Gross. Man. Yeah. The amount of weird conflict I have about having been in the Scouts is immense. Because, like, some of the best times of my whole adolescence were in the Scouts and also some of the worst. (laughs) Yeah. I had a very similar experience with Girl Scouts where... I thought I was building a community and, like, making friends, and then it turned out that they turned didn't actually out. like me. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, which sucked. Yeah, slumber parties for me were very much, like, 
just an excuse to hang out with your friends longer and watch movies together. Yeah, same. And, like, snack and, you know. Stay up late having snacks and. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, at the sleepovers of my youth, like, I don't know that I. Also, can we talk about the distinction between a slumber party and a sleepover? Oh, because they are different. Because a slumber party is a party. Yes. Where, like, there are lots of kids and then usually there's, like, an activity of some kind, even if that activity is just, like, you order pizza and eat ice cream. I have a good example of the difference. Okay, go ahead. Oh, sleepover is when you have, like, one or two friends over and you, like, are just hanging out and spending the night. Slumber party is when you have, like, a group of, like, ten of you who are going to a school dance together and then you all crash at one of your friends' house afterward as a after party. Okay did that after prom yeah okay that's at least my definition that makes sense then i don't think i've ever been to a slumber party no like other than like i just said like after prom we all went to a thing uh we all slept at somebody's house so that we could like you know hang out and have breakfast the next morning and stuff but like yeah i don't think i've ever been to a slumber party per se i think I've I've been to a lot of sleepovers. Yeah, I've been to mostly sleepovers. But yeah, for me, it was mostly just like an excuse for us to stay up all night, like playing video games or later playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, like, I the one like slumber party that I really considered myself to go to was like a team slumber party. Like our softball team slept over at someone's house. Right. And like that's where I saw I got to see the exorcist for the first time I feel like the exorcist at a slumber party is a classic yeah and it's dirty a... dancing that's what the first oh, time I see? saw dirty, dirty dancing dirty dancing is such a sleepover such a slumber party movie yeah 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 I definitely think this, the movies of my sleepovers of my childhood were the like raunchy comedies of the late 90s and early 2000s oh, I'm so Cause like I grew up, I had a masculine childhood uh-huh. and like I had masculine friends and they, that was the thing that was cool at the time. Oh, I'm aware. And even then it made me uncomfortable and it still does now. <laughs> I was not like other girls and I only hung out with the boys for so long. Gay. Yeah. It's Cause you gay. I know. I, know. <laughs> I do like that there's such a broad range of types of femininity yeah there is like it's really cool you know like in in terms of dress in terms of like trappings in in all that stuff it's nice that it's not just one note and like there's so many girl characters in fact i think there's more girls than boys i think there's more yeah girls than boys in the like doing you know i haven't actually done the math but yeah it seems that way there yeah and i i really like again you have minimal adults as well yeah. and you have a lot of even like i think most of the adults we've seen are femme presenting yeah and definitely seem to like be good role models for yeah. the most part it's rapidly becoming clear that talking about this show is just going to be us like praising it week after week more of these shows (laughs) like can we bring this back yeah like let's reboot it yeah or like make this one i think this is uh, like uh, kids today deserve to have this show and like i mean again maybe there's more bad stuff coming up but like 
you don't even have to change anything. No. Like, it's perfect. It's wonderful. <laughs> Show it to your kids now. It's perfect. You know. It's... Plus, it's uh, streaming on Amazon Prime for yeah. free. So, you know, go watch it. It's good. Yeah, I feel like we haven't. I feel like we haven't really met them long enough to, to know. To know what the growing up sort of process is like but i i do we've already seen some kind of like struggle some pushing at the boundaries of identity yeah we which have. is a big part of this yeah. particular part of childhood is yeah, the swing got, between identity and like conformity yeah you've definitely got like a couple different characters like trying new things and like pushing themselves out of their comfort zone and like realizing like oh maybe that wasn't a smart idea or right. maybe i do like this but on a different level or, yeah and it's really cool to like see that push starting but yeah i think overall we need more data for an overarching yeah. pattern so far we have no gay people i don't think we're gonna come across any gay I, people i i bet we have one i bet we have like a token gay person so that we can talk about homosexuality i'm very doubtful this show ran it was i mean ran till 2004 or 2006 i guess okay so maybe Maybe. That's we'll on, see. We'll, we'll see. see. And yeah, I really hope that we get some episodes because we have some black characters in the main cast. And I really, really hope we get some like racism talk. Yeah, same. Because like if this show were made now, we would have to. You'd have to make you'd have to do an episode about police brutality. At least one. Right. <laughs> yeah, at least one, if not more. Right? right. I'm excited to see how this show like progresses because like the way it deals with stuff is like so beautiful yeah and i just like really want it to have more opportunities to deal with like modern issues yeah i'm really hopeful for the show and i'm really hoping that it's not just all front-loaded and yeah i hope so too i'm gonna be really sad if it turns out that it's um worse in the back in the back nine okay but this movie is so quintessentially 2000 yeah and it's so quintessentially, like, 2000 Nickelodeon. Yeah, it too. really is. Like, I mean, if this if this TV show had come three years earlier, it would be super gross. Yeah. And if it had come three years later, it would be super sanitized. Yep. Also because, like, kind of the Nicktoons thing felt, falls apart in right. around 2006. Yeah. Yeah, that's about so. right. So, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting that it really hits, like, this sweet spot of cartoons it where really it's, like, does. really earnest and it's gross in a real way, but not, like, it's not Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. Yeah, we could go on a whole thing about how I ha- I hated the gross cartoons of the 90s, your Ren's and Stimpy and your Beavis's and Butthead. Yeah, not a fan. It's harder, I feel like it's harder with TV shows to have a, a creative, like, through line. Because yeah. there's so many more hands on the tiller in a in a TV show. Yeah. Because you probably have, like, you have a whole room full of writers, probably. More or less, this is how the writing process for a TV show works. You collectively write the bones of a story, and then you hand it to one person who fleshes out the story, brings it back to the group, and then you punch up the whole thing together. Yep. So each individual episode, you're probably getting mostly a perspective of an individual writer with a bunch of group ideas added at the beginning and end. So it's hard, and it's, you know, whereas in a movie, you usually have one writer 
one director and you know a production team that's the same the whole way through right i definitely think there's a message to be gleaned here about being patient with yourself yeah absolutely and like taking time to like explore and figure out who you are um you know like there's a couple times where like ginger's getting pressured to doing something and she's just like you know what now's not the time for me and that's okay and i can wait and i think that's really beautiful that's not this like constant drive to like grow up do the thing do all the things it's like she's like no sometimes i just want to be a kid yeah that's great yeah and i think that this first five episodes really talk a lot about how the whole experience of middle school is very much waves of like different emotions and it's constantly changing and you just kind of have to go with the flow totally and face each day one at a time yeah which is hard to do when you're a teen but is important yeah